0: You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, host of Food for the Future, a weekly podcast that brings the humanities to today's food dialogue by showcasing everyday people trying to make a difference in agri-food. This show is part of the Food for Thought series featuring stories from big thinkers who spend their lives envisioning a flourishing food system in their local communities and for our entire human family. Today, we'll be speaking about understanding economics and agri-food with Andreas Booker, Chair of Food, Agriculture and Resource Economics Department, FAIR, at the University of Guelph. Welcome, Andreas. Hello, Patty. We're really happy to have you here. Let's start with the basics, Andreas. What is food and agriculture economics?
1: yeah so generally speaking, it is uh, food and agricultural economics is a discipline or profession in applied economics, and the general question that it addresses is how best to use scarce resources like land, water, labor, and capital uh, to produce and distribute food for consumption. so in that sense, uh, food and agricultural economists use concepts from economic theory and uh, and analysis to study real world issues in the food system related to business decisions consumer choice and uh, public policy. Yeah, and that is very general, I have to admit. And uh, to make it a bit more specific, for example, current issues, specific issues translate into research questions that guide our studies. So a typical question would be that there's, uh, or an issue, is uh, that large agribusiness companies or food retailers have a lot of market power and make a lot of profit. And the research question that an economist then has to ask is not whether it's fair or uh, justifiable, but we really have to look into what would be normal levels of profits. And we have to ask the question, do the the company's profits exceed these normal profits or do the prices that they charge exceed prices under uh, normal competition?
0: So an incredibly important field for all of us looking at the production and consumption needs and patterns and responses to those. Very important, something on the top of everyone's mind today, not only agri-food policy makers, but certainly mentioned consumers. Why is it important for the general public to understand food and agriculture economics?
1: Well, I would maybe um, take one step back and say, well, it's- maybe asking too much from the general public to understand agricultural economics, but it would be important to see why listening to an agricultural economics and uh, trying to understand their their viewpoint and starting point for analysis might be important. So basically acknowledging that the current food system from agricultural inputs to the uh, final consumer, uh, that they are driven by economic fundamentals and long-term trends that cannot be changed quickly. Um, We all would like to see maybe a a more environmentally friendly agricultural and food production, but the, uh, the system that is in place has evolved over many decades, and the infrastructure that is in place has also evolved over many decades, and the operations are optimized, and that's very difficult to change in a very short time.
0: So some of the foundations that the general public can take away from agricultural economics is an understanding of why the system is the way it is and how we can't change it overnight or even in a year, that it's got a deeply rooted infrastructure, agri-food economics can help with an appreciation of why the system the way it is, and maybe help foster some patience as we're working to transform the food system to more environmentally friendly and that it's just not going to happen overnight. So, So that is encouraging. Agri-food economics and economics in general, it's, it's an area that can seem really complex and overwhelming. And you had mentioned it might be too much to ask of the general public to understand fully agri-food economics, but developing an appreciation through listening to economists is, is more realistic. How can people access information they can understand on the subject?
1: That's, that's a really, um, important question because the, um, I, I have to admit that the, um, introductory courses in, in economics are not geared towards the the general public, and so what i would would suggest is uh, that people can visit uh, social media accounts of farmers to see how economic factors uh, affect their decision making how they are responding to uh, increasing competitive pressures or being part of a global food system. There are a few. Where uh, they're called massive online, open online courses that could be accessed for free. So they're open means that they're uh, available without uh, having to pay. And one of them uh, is offered by a colleague of ours in uh, in Western Australia, David Pannell, and he has an an open introductory course that doesn't require any math to take it. And it really shows the intuition behind uh, the economic thinking and, yeah, the analysis of policy. Uh, professor in our department, he has a podcast uh, that's called Food Focus, and he addresses current issues. And with the guests, they explore this in a, in a non-technical fashion. And I think that's one of the um, more accessible podcasts that are related to food and agricultural economics.
0: Okay, so a couple of places that people can help um, understand agri-food economics in varying levels of complexity. So certainly, farmers an amazing resource. You had mentioned a colleague in Australia who offers an open access, free course in Fundamentals of Economics. And I really like that you had said food focus, and it would have all of the power behind it of a scholar who has looked at the research, looked at trends, has dedicated their lives to understanding that it would have that orientation behind it, although the technical complexity would be accessible to the public. So food focus at the University of Guelph. Thank you. You're the chair of the Food, Agriculture and Resource Economics Department at the University of Guelph. What are some of the research priorities in your field today?
1: Definitely at the top of the list is uh, climate change. This is not only a, um, a research area for natural scientists, um, but also for economists, because the, uh, the cost of adapting and finding the right measures to adapt to climate change are enormous. So the challenges are enormous, and with every policy there's a cost and a benefit. With every um, business decision, there's a cost and a benefit. And that's why an economic perspective on the options that we have to deal with climate change are very important. So that's certainly one of the most or the most probably the most important um, research area. And uh, that would also include, for example, food waste, how uh, we can reduce food waste enti- uh, along the entire supply chain. Other areas that are of interest are international trade, the assessment of trade agreements between two or more countries. Uh, they're very complex because each sector is, will be affected by a trade agreement very differently. Uh, for example, in Canada, the dairy industry would be very differently affected than the beef industry by the um, trade agreement with the European Union. And another one that is really a very important current topic is food price inflation.
0: So a lot of factors to consider and a lot of pressure points that the universities and particularly your program at the University of Guelph, looking at climate change, trade agreements, labor, and also food security or insecurity, depending on where you're entering the conversation. So that's really helpful. And I'm really curious, the students are the future, what research are they interested in?
1: So we have uh, three undergraduate uh, programs or majors. That are all related to food, agriculture and resource economics. Um, and two masters and one PhD program. And with the students in, in the undergraduate programs are all over the, um, the spectrum of agricultural economics. So it could be, uh, trade issues and, uh, the importance of, of trade for uh, developing countries. We have, uh, students who are interested in consumer economics and consumer behavior. Once again, my my colleague Mike von Masso does uh, uh, research in a in a lab in which consumers actually wear wear glasses that can track the eye movements, so that information becomes available what consumers actually look at. That research field has had a number of uh, graduates in in the past. We have had yeah, students are definitely interested in uh, food security. Uh, not only in developing countries, uh, but also in, within Canada. For example, as a, as a very uh, important topic for research with um, First Nations and Indigenous people in remote locations, Yeah, food security and the role of, for example, government subsidies to uh, make food more available or government measures to make food more available in remote locations.
0: So really, really future focus. Uh, it is economics they're studying, but a lot of social contributions. Sounds like the students in uh, food, agriculture and resource economics are trying to make. Very, very encouraging. After the break, we'll hear more from Andreas Booker, associate professor from the University of Guelph about the social significance of understanding economics in agri-food. This is Food for the Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Casts, and where you get your podcasts. I'm Peggy O'Neill, host of Food for the Future. We're speaking about the social significance of understanding economics in agri-food with Andreas Becker from the University of Guelph. Andreas, policy has a significant impact on society and on our everyday lives. How does research in agri-food economics impact policy?
1: So we see, we as a a discipline in applied economics, we see ourselves as our role uh, in the policymaking uh, process as uh, informing the policymakers. This can take many forms. So it could, um, the research that we do could, for example, uh, focus on a particular aspect or typically focuses on um, a particular aspect of agri-food policy. An important one for, for farmers is crop insurance as a part of business risk management. And crop insurance, of course, is also one part that is significantly affected by climate change and the changes that climate change brings forth on um, yield and yield distributions so understanding how we use the information the available information about yield to design programs for crop insurance uh, to support that farmers take up insurance uh, policies for that that is very important and it has probably a very a fairly direct impact on how these policies and programs uh, are designed how they are run and implemented in the more general sense, Uh, Most of our research usually indirectly informs policy. We do uh, research about the impact on trade agreements on on sectors, and that information is provided to the the policymakers. How they use this information, that, of course, is a a political decision, and there have been many cases where the political factors to go ahead with a certain type of uh, legislation outweighed the economic rationale for it, and that... Despite, um, let's say, agricultural economists arguing against the implementation of that policy, the lawmakers or the policymakers went ahead with it. So that can happen.
0: It runs the gamut then, the agri-food economists uh, contributing to policy on sort of best practices. And you had talked about crop insurance, people who are important contributors to a dialogue on things like traceability and sometimes advocates that are advocates, but unsuccessful. And you had talked about a policy where agri-food uh, economists were saying this isn't a good idea and it went through anyway. So just like anything in life, sometimes Sometimes your efforts show immediate returns, and other times it takes a little bit longer to hear. You know what? You were right. So maybe that policy that did get through will come back to us, and the economist's viewpoint will come back. We'll have to see. So very, very helpful and definite social contribution in terms of how how direct or indirect agri-food economists are involved in policy and decision making. So we take a humanities approach on this show, and humanities part of that is big ideas. And developing a worldview. So I'd like to know, Andreas, how does having a worldview of agri-food economics help humanity?
1: The best way uh, probably to answer that question is that taking an economics perspective or a specialized agri-food economics perspective in in the area of uh, the food system really helps to understand the constraints and the restrictions in which a food system operates in the modern world. And we have to acknowledge that the vast majority of food that is being produced and consumed is runs through the commercial system. And that is a, yeah, a fact that many people have difficulty acknowledging because they want to think back without these constraints. And we have to really acknowledge the fundamentals of the, the economics in the food system and that understanding. And it's simply acknowledging that there are very strong economic factors at work that, um, cannot be changed very quickly that is i think our contribution to big thinking in the um, in the food system
0: we're almost back to the beginning you started the uh, conversation today with really understanding the constraints what reality you know big dreams are are always important in life and realistic approaches to change and contributions to humanity and you've given us a lot to think about in terms of uh what might be possible in what time frame and so that's certainly something to think about as we contemplate big ideas and as we start to think about well why haven't things happened or why haven't things changed or why shouldn't things happen or why shouldn't things change and so that's very very helpful. The show overall is called Food for the Future and how can we all think big to create a brighter way forward together in agri-food economics.
1: When you say uh, how can we all? So that would include uh, consumers and um, everybody in the country. It may not um, focus too much on, on agricultural economics in, in the beginning, but I think if we want to think big and um, evoke changes in the in the food system that, for example, lead towards uh, more uh, sustainable production in all of the three aspects of uh, sustainability, so economic, social, and environmental, we have to acknowledge that everything basically starts with the consumer because they are making the, the consumption decisions. And the way to start thinking big is first, um, we have to learn a little bit about an area that you're interested in. Nobody would expect an average person to learn everything about the food system uh and maybe even uh taking it uh, agricultural economics perspective but we'd say well if there's something that you would like to change get informed about it and then implement the change if you want to support our uh, local food production and uh, local food system um do research about what the environmental impact of the uh, social system compared to the current system is uh and Think about ways you can support that as an individual. Uh, in terms of the, the bigger picture, we um, we think on, uh, a lot about uh, alternative technologies to, for example, produce energy. But there are also alternative technologies that might become more environmentally sustainable than current ways of production. So that is something where we could all start uh, thinking big and say, what are the economics? Uh, If we want to think big, we also have to think through all the way. We would have to say, well, what is actually required to to make this happen? And then it becomes, once again, very clear that there is not only one stage in production that would have to change. Uh, all the uh, stages of the supply chain would have to change. But I think that's the the nice challenge uh, that you can then say, well, this is a really complex problem. And if you want to effect change, you have to think this through the entire supply chain.
0: I think that's good advice. We need everybody. You started with the consumer and you talked about the innovators, the researchers looking at new ways of doing things, whether that's energy or the food itself, and that thinking all the way through the problem, not just starting it. Uh, or not just maintaining it, or not just moving away from things that we don't want to continue to do, but to really think through the entire cycle and, and the implications for everyone and and all factors in the process. Very, very good advice. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share?
1: Uh, so something that we've, well, we are observing and that, that is happening around us um, at universities is that the traditional ways of uh, education, so with secondary, post-secondary uh, that these traditional paths of uh, acquiring knowledge and acquiring degrees, that they are actually changing. So that people have an, an interest, an increased interest in lifelong learning, that they, uh, for example, start post-secondary education at li- uh, later life uh, stages in life. Uh, so this is something that we fully embrace. Uh, and that, of course, poses a challenge for uh, a system that has evolved around the traditional Degree structures, um, but we see that there's an increasing demand for for smaller programs or smaller certifications um, that focus on particular aspects and uh, so what I would always encourage everybody to do is keep an attitude of lifelong learning. Contacting people at universities to say, what do you offer, uh, in terms of courses, individual courses or even mini certificates that have three courses instead of a whole degree that typically has, that requires 40 courses over a time of four years. So these are things that are very important, uh, for us, um, as post-secondary educators. And, um, we would always encourage people to, yeah, to stay informed to reach out and, yeah, ask tricky, tricky and challenging questions um, about agricultural economics.
0: Really, really, really wonderful way to wrap up the show. Be curious, reach out and uh, find out who has the information that you want, but also don't overlook post-secondary institutions who have, as you had said, certain courses, micro programs that are only three courses, and you get the same quality of instruction and access to information uh, in a form that is much less of a commitment than a full degree. Excellent, excellent advice. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andreas, for your vision and expertise. It's been a sincere pleasure to have you on the show.
1: The pleasure is also mine, and thank you for having me, Peggy.
0: It was a sincere, sincere treat to have you here. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking about big ideas and understanding economics and agri-food with Andreas Booker, Associate Professor and Chair of the Food, Agriculture and Resource Economics Program at the University of Guelph. Each week, to continue to envision our future in agri-food together, we leave you and your family or friends with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about? How could you learn more about economics and agri-food? Something to do? Visit the University of Guelph's Food, Agriculture, and Resource Economics website. Also, check out the Food Focus podcast to learn how one team of scholars and students generate local ideas towards global change. Next week on the show, we return to the series Waste Not. We'll be discussing revitalizing communities using technology-enabled food rescue with Zurea Hudson from the Leftovers Foundation all the way from the prairies. Don't miss a show. Follow us on Curious Cast and other major podcast platforms. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future to our platinum elite-level sponsor, Burn Bray Farms. Eggs for Life, Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday on 980 CFPL. Curious Casts, and where you get your podcasts.